You're listening to Mamir, the podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs with me, your host, Maddie Kelly. Each week, I dive deep in my interviews with successful founders to leave you with the tools necessary to build your dream lives. So get ready for some kick-ass advice. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Mamir. I have a very fun episode for you today. I'm sitting down with Paul Barron, whose entrepreneurial experience spans B2B, B2C, retail, manufacturing, franchising, and most recently, wall printing, which I knew nothing about before this episode started. However, what got me really interested in him as a guest was that his company was responsible for creating the incredible facade and wall displays for the Louis Vuitton 200-year celebration back in 2022. For all my fashion girlies, you probably know what I'm talking about because it was all over the internet. But for those of you who don't, don't worry. We chat about that in the episode itself, so stay tuned. But what I really loved about this episode and about Paul is his quick wit and his insightful tips for entrepreneurs. He is really breaking down how to be a great leader, what you need to be a successful entrepreneur. We also talk about how to identify unicorns in business and truly like so much more. I loved his advice on leading with joy, surrounding yourself with good people, and how you will always find success when you're in the mindset of helping others. Paul defied all of my expectations, and I think you guys are really going to love this episode. Paul, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and hang out for a while. Thank you, Maddie. It's nice to be here today. So I was really excited to talk to you after I learned that your company did the installation in New York for the Louis Vuitton, was it 200 year anniversary? Correct. Louis Vuitton had an exhibit that went worldwide from Paris to uh, Los Angeles to New York. um, And I believe Italy also, there were four stops where they did three months in each country over throughout the year of 2022. And uh, when they got to New York, they acquired uh, one of my wall printing machines. And at the entrance to the exhibit, which was, as you just said, for the 200th anniversary of Louis Vuitton, um, they had a creative artist prepare 200 different trunks uh, with their respective artwork. And it was displayed in this building that they totally renovated for the exhibit. Wow. And uh, in, a, in a window that was on Madison Avenue, for those in your audience who know New York City, Madison Avenue is one of the popular shopping streets in New York City. And uh, at one of the windows at the entrance to the uh, exhibit was our machine printing day in and day out for um, the entire exhibit. And so uh, we were very proud that they selected our machine and it worked flawlessly for three months printing images every day from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. How did that deal happen? Like, how did you get there? Well, um, I'd like to think it's because we're very well known. Uh, but <laughs> but in, in, in all honesty, we are a young company. Uh, we're just four years old. We've introduced wow. this, this um, concept and technology of vertical printing um, and floor printing. Uh, we've introduced it throughout the Western Hemisphere um, just four years ago. Um, it's a technology that we own patents on and we manufacture the machines. Uh, it, it did appear in Southeast Asia and Europe for a while, um, but um, I acquired uh, the company and introduced it here to Canada, the United States, Mexico, South America, the Caribbean, 
and we service it um, with these machines and we do a lot of social media advertising. So I guess the short answer to your question is they, they saw it on some kind of an Instagram post or something and thought it would be really cool because it is a very cool machine that prints artwork indoors and outdoors on any wall um, and any size. There's no size limitation um, as long as the wall and floor is unobstructed by anything. Um, so it's, it just reproduces beautiful digital artwork onto any surface at all. I don't know anything about digital printing, so I'm so curious how this works. Like, how do you just print something onto any surface, any size? So, well, so Maddie, welcome to my world. I'm not in the printing business. I never was. Well, I guess I am now. But yeah. when I found technology, um, I, um, I have, have had no printing or signage um, experience, yeah. any, any real advertising or marketing experience at all. Um, but my background, just to kind of answer your question that might make sense, um, my background, I know I only look 20 years old, but I'm 72. Um, so I've got a, I've got a couple of years of-, of You look uh, a day uh, over 30. <laughs> God bless you. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I have many years of owning my own businesses, of working for other businesses. Um, and as I've grown up over the years, um, the last 30 years or so, I developed a reputation and a, um, a pretty successful um, career out of taking foreign companies' products um, and introducing them to the American audience, helping those companies find their customers, um, helping them grow, maybe find a strategic partner, um, vendors, manufacturing, whatever they needed to grow their companies and, and place their products. That's what I did. I did it for a Russian company that had some technology. I did it for an Austrian baby bottle manufacturer, um, an Australian self-service dog wash machine, um, nice. headband, headphone for children, um, and, and a couple of other things. But I retired, and, um, and I did very well financially by these things. Um, but I did, re and, and my, not that my whole life and career was um, the traditional hockey stick um, from zero to 100. I had its peaks. I had my valleys. Um, but I did very well like this. But over the time that I was representing these companies, I always thought that there was something I'd like it to do um, that it did not do or a feature that it should have that it did not have. And because it wasn't my company or my products, I really could not influence it as well as I would want to. So mm -hmm. when I retired after the last uh, venture I did, which was this self-service dog wash machine from Australia, and I helped that company get U.S. manufacturing, so that, um, and they acquired the company. Um, and I retired again for about the fifth time in my life. And, uh, and I said, uh, you know, I'm not going to do this again unless I own the product, unless mm. I can have ownership or at least an equity stake in the company. So I was sitting around like I am right today. I'm in my home office today. And, uh, and I'm usually surfing the net and looking at things. And I got a phone call from a German company that had this vertical printing machine. And they reached out to me. They wanted to come to the United States. And they asked me if I would represent them and introduce their product. And I, and, and I tried to say, it looks like an interesting product. Um, can I buy into the company and, uh, and get some equity? Um, and they said, no, we're just looking for a salesperson uh, to work on commission and this kind of stuff. And, and I said, well, I don't do that. And so, uh, so the conversation broke down. But I loved the product. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Um, again, no printing background, no signage background on my part, no, no art, graphics, design, or anything. I don't, not in my experiences and probably not in my talents. Um, so, um, so, uh, but I saw this and then I yelled to my wife as I invariably do and I'll call her uh, from a, another room and I, I'll say, hey, Maureen, come here, take a look at this. 
Maddie, instead of coming here and taking a look at this, she usually cuts up my credit cards and changes the passwords on my bank account. Uh, because she goes, here we go again, Paul's gonna invest in something crazy. Um, this time, she did take a look at it. She said, boy, that's a really cool machine. Um, you think you can do something with it? I said, yeah. So uh, she said, well, go for it. So if I got her endorsement, that's half the battle. And, uh, and so I started to do my homework. And I found out that there were only five companies in the world that made this machine. None of them in the Western Hemisphere, accounting for one reason, I'd never seen anything like this. There was this German company that approached me, which was a relatively newcomer. It followed and copied some of the technology that was developed in China by mm. one company. There was a company in Australia and a company in India. So I started taking the tires, so to speak, of all of these products to see what was the difference between them, what, which one had this and which one had that. And the more I, I explored this, the more I learned about the technology and, and who would buy it and who would benefit from it. And, and I was convinced that this was something that would sell. Um, and because I looked at it as a way to create business opportunities for other people. Anybody who buys this machine could be in the business of delivering artwork onto walls in schools, homes, restaurants, um, no limitation. You just needed a wall to print on. And so, uh, so I negotiated with the one company that I felt was the best one, most feature rich, and it was the, actually the originator of the technology. And we had a courtship, so to speak, for about uh, eight months to a year, and we reached terms that were agreeable to both of us. Um, I acquired the company and the rights to it um, for all, and I kept the rights for all of uh, the Western Hemisphere. I started this company in late 2019. Now, I wasn't the smartest kid on the block because, as we all know, in January of 2020, the world stopped with COVID and the pandemic. And so here I was with several hundred thousand dollars of machines um, that nobody's ever seen or heard about before, and people weren't traveling, and it wasn't like having a hamburger place or a coffee shop or a plumbing yeah. business. Um, it wasn't anything that anybody knew about. So I went to social media. And I tried to introduce this with videos and posts to let people know that this technology exists. And where everybody was laying people off, I started hiring people. I hired my marketing team, my sales team, my technical support team. We learned how to use these machines. Uh, we translated everything into English, Spanish, Portuguese, which are the markets that we service, and French Canadian as well. Mm. And, uh, and then we fast forward about eight months. It took us about eight months to put everything in place and we made our first sale. And now I'll fast forward three more years to today. We have about 140 customers. Uh, we sell about one to two new business territories a week. We wow. created also a floor printing machine, which does the exact same technology as the wall printer, except it's designed to print artwork on floors. Um, and so wow. that's what we do. We put people in business. They might be entrepreneurs. They might already have a painting company or general contractors or signage companies that want a different way to get customers and deliver digital art onto wall. I have, this is such a cool story. I have so many questions already, but I think I'll start with, when you talk about you do your homework on a company, I would love to know more about that process because I think it's important for anybody to have this kind of skill set, particularly entrepreneurs. I think that they can use that in terms of whether they want to acquire other businesses or if they're doing their homework on investors. I think that this is very applicable skill set. And I'm curious to know what your process looks like. My process is being crazy. Uh, my, uh, basically, um, and, and what I mean by that is, look, if you're going to be an entrepreneur or, or you want to go down that path, 
of what yeah. people think of as entrepreneurship, you have to be willing to take a risk. Mm. Um, that's first and foremost, whether it's an idea that's brand new, whether it's something that you can, uh, what's the expression, build a better mousetrap because you see something that's not as good as what you would like, mm. um, or there's a market gap. You, you first and foremost, you must identify a problem and you must then desire or have the ability to create a solution to that problem. Um, if you can't do that, if there's not a problem, you don't go creating something and then finding a problem that it solves. There has right. to be a real problem um, that it exists. For me, it was the fact that there was no way for people to do this with these machines. For other things, it, it might be a different reason. You know, the self-service dog wash business um, that I had was because it was a, this was a machine that for $10 in 10 minutes would wash your dog, and there was nothing like that in the market. So there's, there's not, even though there's people who wash dogs in all sorts of ways, um, but uh, this was unique. So, you, you know, you have to find something like that. Um, and then there are three elements that I always look for, and I call them um, the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. Um, you have to have the time to do what you want to do. Um, you have to have the talent uh, to be able to do it um, or to hire people um, to do it, um, to do what's necessary that, um, with skills that maybe you don't possess but you know are necessary to accomplish your goals. And then you have to have the treasure. You have to have enough money to feed your family, um, to develop the product, to hire the people that are necessary, build uh, by the components that might be needed, um, and, and then move forward. Uh, but, but all of that is really, you know, the first things that come to mind. You know, people, people always ask me what makes a great leader, what, you know, you know, you're, you're the CEO of a company, Paul, you know, you hire people and all that kind of stuff. You know, do you think you're a good leader? And I said, well, I don't know if I'm a good leader or not, but I know what good leadership is. And good leadership basically is somebody who's smart enough to hire the best qualified people to do the job and then wise enough to back off and let them do it. Um, most people want to micromanage everything. And they think they can wear all hats. You know, I was in the restaurant business for, for 12 years. And sure, I learned how to tend bar and wash dishes and cook because I wanted to know these aspects of the business. But that wasn't what I was going to do. Um, yeah. I, had, I knew I had to hire people that were better cooks and better um, people to serve our customers and all those other elements that were necessary in the business. One person can't do everything. And yeah. so, uh, so you have to be smart enough and wise enough to find the people and let them do the jobs that are necessary. I think the restaurant and like service industry in general is such a great breeding ground for really amazing entrepreneurs later in life. I think you learn so much about people, like reading people. And because the restaurant business is so hard, especially if like you're owning the restaurant business, I think it teaches you so much like valuable life skills that are then applied later in life. Like I, I've talked to so many entrepreneurs who in some way, shape or form, either like worked as a bartender or, you know, worked in a restaurant as a waiter or some sort of thing that those skills that they learned in that moment in time came back to help them in, in unexpected ways. I agree. It is. I agree that it's a very hard business, but I agree that it does expose you to a lot of things. You have to have customer relationships with your customers. You have to have vendor relationships. You have to have, you know, the design aspects of a business and the ambiance it creates and the culture that you create. Any business has to have a good culture among mm. people to be successful um, and for people to want to go to work every day and, and thrive to, to contribute to the success of that business. It shouldn't be just about a paycheck. Um, many people it is, and I guess that's a good thing too because you need people who will just show up and do the jobs and work. Um, but if you 
talk about business ownership and entrepreneurship, you better be prepared to wear all the hats and yeah. you better be prepared to, um, to take the kind of risk that's necessary. Somebody told me a long time ago, um, I remember one of the early, when I was in my 20s and I had a very good paying job as a salesman for a company and I got a $1,000 Christmas bonus check my first, uh, first year I was working for them. And, uh, and I went in and I told, the, and I, but I knew that the, the company made a lot of money. And my mother happened to be the bookkeeper of this company. And she told me that the owners each wrote themselves a check of about $30,000 each, uh, because of the sales and, and the efforts that I had contributed to the company. So I went in the next day after the holiday and I said, I really appreciate the, uh, the bonus. I, I didn't expect it. And $1,000, this was back in the seventies when $1,000 meant something. Um, and so uh, I said, I really appreciate that. And I said, but I, I think I've done a good job and, and I think I, I'm ready for a raise. And so uh, so he, he said to me something which carried, carries with me to today. He said, Paul, I said, listen, when you work for me, I'll make sure that you're paid better than anybody else will pay you. But if you don't own the business and aren't taking the risk, you'll never make what you think you're worth. And hmm. so I took that to heart. Um, that the risk taker deserves the, the bigger piece of the pie or the benefits because the risk taker also takes the losses where right. everybody else gets a paycheck. Um, you know, to, to end that particular saga in my life, I ended up quitting that job after that and I went to work for a competitor and I turned out making twice the money in half the time doing the same job. So you um, did what he told you. He, you took I, the I risk. Told me. I, I became an independent sales contractor at that point and, and I was able to just do sales and not do a lot of the other um, manufacturing and, and uh, warehouse work that was also doing that first company. But it was the best advice I ever had. And I do pay my employees very well, I think, better than other people might pay them for the same jobs. And, uh, and you hope that breeds loyalty and trust and, yeah. and just a great work ethic. Do you think that your sales experience helped you with social media success? No. Um, and, and, and the reason I say that is, I mean, social media, um, requires a talent of, of knowing how to manage, uh, and how to position, you know, in the old days, everything was face to face. You know, you wanted to buy a car, you went to a car dealership and you test drove it. You went down to a lot of different dealers and everybody's trying to sell you and you're negotiating price. Well, fast forward 40 years when the internet comes about and social media comes about, now you've got people posting comments, you've got reviews. You've got where people would talk. Now they're doing um, comments back and forth, and you're, you're getting referrals from people. All the shopping is not done face to face. The shopping is done uh, online. Most most buyers, whether you're going out for restaurants, going to see a movie, going to buy a product. Um, you're usually you've done your research these days. You've done your homework online, and when you do actually go into a store, if you do that, and you don't actually make a purchase online, which of course many of us do these days. Uh, but if you actually do go to that car dealership at that point, um, you know what you want. You've yeah. already you've negotiated the price. You've picked out the color. You've picked out, you know, the, all the uh, features that you want um, and the extras. And you go in there to basically pick up the car that you ordered. Um, it's, there's no negotiation going on these days. There's no none of that. Um, sure, it can still happen, but it doesn't. Um, and so the social media is a, is a necessary aspect of business today because of the way people buy. So you must market using social media, um, which helps my company greatly. But me personally, um, I, I could not do what my people do that manage this for me 
Um, you know, when you deal with Google ads and Facebook and uh, or Meta, as it's called today, um, you know, and Instagram and YouTube. I mean, these things change all the time. Um, and to be able to target the audiences you want and everything takes, just like in the restaurant business, you know, dishwashing and cooking and dealing with customers, it takes a lot of time. And you have to really have somebody who knows this stuff and stays on top of all the changes that Google and Meta throw at you every day um, to be able to target to your audience. So, so no, I did not have any anything except being on the receiving end of that. Um, so I, I knew enough about social media to know if the message was correct and the targeting was correct, then we would get customers and we'd be on people's radars and get awareness of our brand and our product. And that's how we use it. And you get that. I've never gone to a trade show. Uh, we've been, I'm not saying I won't, or not for any reason, but of course we started during the pandemic when all trade shows and face-to-face really started. Yeah. Uh, the advantage for me of starting a business like that, where other people were laying people off and I was hiring people, was that people were at home being laid off or working from home, as they still are today in many places. And so they were trying to rethink their lives. What do they want to do? Do they want, they, do they want this job that they had? they maybe want to look for a business for themselves people were rethinking their careers and and their livelihoods yes so we took advantage of that you know by social media because that's what everybody was doing they were surfing the internet for something and so so social media was was a necessary aspect of our growth and that's making people aware of what we are what our products were what they can do and then hopefully some of them contacted us which they did and then we and then we find out from those people that contact us which ones really want to be in this business. Yeah. I think I think your positioning is so unique and I think a lot of people in your age range and in your position would not be quite as flexible as you are and I think not as aware as you are and I'll take, I'll take that my age my age as a compliment because of the way you phrase that and and that it's true. Honestly, I, I genuinely believe that you are very unique in that way. And hearing your perspective is so refreshing because it's like, okay, like you get it, you're with it. And not only do you understand it, but you're using it to your advantage now. And that was something I noticed during the pandemic is it was like an opportunity that people were having to rethink fully their lifestyles and their careers and to say, what do I, instead of asking themselves, how can I pay my bills? They started to ask themselves, what makes me happy? What drives me? What fulfills me? And then there was a big shift like globally happening at the same time. And I found it so fascinating that everyone now is starting to think like, well, I don't want just a job that pays my bills anymore. I want a job that fulfills me. And then like something that gives me freedom and flexibility. And particularly if they want to work from home, if that works for them. And you were just like there online in the right place at the right time with the exact right messaging. And that to me ties back to everything that you've been saying so far about how you find these businesses is you're kind of like, you're kind of just like a little gem magnet. Like you put yourself out there and you're able to find these great companies and these great opportunities. And you're like, I'm here. I can help you with that. Whether that was identifying technology from Russia and being like, I think that there's an opportunity here in the US for that. Or if it was being online in the right place at the right time for your printing business. And I, I, I want to know everything. I want to know everything about your life. I want to know how you got this way. I want to know where this mindset comes from. Like, 
it's such a great skill set to have. And it's something that I'm always trying to learn. Like, how can I find a unicorn? Well, I, I think that I greatly appreciate the flattery that's in everything you've just said. I mean it. I wouldn't have said it if I didn't mean it. I would have just said something else. <laughs> I, will, I will talk to you and your audience um, to know that, as I said before, it, it, it wasn't strictly an uphill path. Um, and, and what makes, right. I guess what, I guess I, I am, I won't say I'm unique, but I will say that, so there, there's the old saying, and I, I come up with a lot of old sayings because I'm old, um, but, um, <laughs> You know, it's not how many times you fall down, it's how many times you get up. Um, and so on those occasions that I did go that hockey stick uh, progression of successful uh, ventures or working for companies that I said weren't making me happy, as you pointed out, um, I had enough confidence in myself um, that I could get up again and I could either do it or something else better um, and uh, for myself, for my family, uh, for my own happiness. Um, and, and then I went with it. Um, but I didn't, do this, I didn't do this by myself, Maddie. Um, and, and that's really important to communicate to you and your audience. Um, I had a very good network around me and mm -hmm. I was very blessed and still am. I feel I'm very lucky in terms of having people around me that always believed in me as much as I believed in myself. And they were willing to be there for sometimes emotional support, sometimes financial support at times when I had to find pennies in the couch to get gas in my car to go to a, uh, to a place to, to work um, or put food on the table. I mean, I had those times too. And, uh, but there were always people there, whether it be family or friends, uh, that kind of stuck with me. And they said, you know, we know things will get better when they were in those valleys as opposed to the peak. Um, I'm proud to say that, you know, financially, everybody that helped me along the way has been paid back and saved um, because of the subsequent successes I've had financially. Um, but whether I was able to do that or not, in terms of paying people back money, they were still there for me on an emotional level. And I think that's really important. You know, all the stuff with the Internet and everything that I described about how we found our customers and still do with social media, nothing beats face to face. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's why we're doing, a, you know, a Zoom call or, you know, whatever the method might be, whether Google Meet, Microsoft Teams or, or Zoom. You know, it's important to have these face-to-face. -face. You know, you, you don't know people as well as, you know, they're right there in the room with you, but certainly better than an email and certainly better than comments on a, on a website. Um, and face-to-face -face still is important. Trust is important. Um, understanding that somebody cares about your needs as much as that, you know, being a trusted resource. I've, I've made more money over my lifetime by helping other people buys from others that other than me and by not buying the products I was selling because I listened to them, I understand what their needs were and often it wasn't what I was doing, but I could point them to something else or somebody else or another product and then it would come back and, and benefit me because they would then refer people to me who mm -hmm. I would I would match. Um, and so, you know, building relationships is, is the best thing uh, to do. And, uh, and because once again, you never, you know, all the people you see on the way up, they're the same people you're going to see on the way down. So yeah. be nice to everybody. Be nice to everybody. Learn from everybody. Um, and, uh, you know, good things will likely happen. Where do you think your confidence in yourself comes from? Do you think it was just from lots of experience or do you have like any particular moments where it was like a real learning lesson that then gave you the confidence that you needed later in life, like you talked about, to take some risk? 
Well, Maddie, my, one, my, I don't read a lot, um, but, uh, but I, I used to read more. Now I don't so much. Um, but my favorite book of all time is a very short read. Uh, somebody gave to me once uh, later on in life uh, when they became good friends and a mentor of mine. Um, mm. And he said uh, that the book's title is Everything I Ever Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And I might not have the title exactly right, but I think that's what it is. Everything I need to know, I learned in kindergarten. And basically, um, you know, it's be nice to others, you know, maybe take a nap, drink milk and cookies every day. Um, you know, simple things in life that, um, that, that are just good qualities to have and that put you in a good mindset and in a good position with other people. Um, and, you know, that from early on, I guess the, the, the confidence that I have in myself it really comes from other people also being confident in me. Um, you know, if somebody didn't say you can do this, you know, whether it was swimming, which I do, uh, which I've done my whole life, or it's like tennis or, 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 or a job, um, you know, if, if somebody wasn't there saying you could do it, um, you know, I, I wouldn't put as much effort into it uh, and accomplish what I have. Um, and, and that's, I think that's important. I had good parents. Um, I, I, I definitely say everything starts there. I have good friends in my life. I think, again, as I said earlier on, those relationships are, are the most important thing you can have, whether those relationships are formed through family or your circumstances, whether that be school or whatever. If picture are above me, if your audience, I don't know if this is going to be video or just audio or not, um, but that picture above me, which, by the way, is a wall printing, um, and it's a two-dimensional picture. A lot of people think that's a frame. I thought it was a frame. A, yeah, that's a that's a two-dimensional wow. picture, um, and uh, and that picture is of um, eight couples that are my friends from the time I grew up, literally from the time I was born through some of those relationships at college, and we get together every few years, um, and as wow. a group, one-on-one, -on -one, we get together almost every year with uh, some of us, um, but that's something I gave them, that's wall printing on canvas that I printed from a picture and then gave that to them as Christmas presents last year. Um, but that's but that's my core group that's been with me from the start, and and they've always and some of them have helped me greatly financially during those slack periods, um, but they've all helped me emotionally throughout my 70 years, um, and uh, nothing nothing is more important than that. Yeah, I mean, there's I I just don't there's no way that any of us can do anything truly alone, especially entrepreneurs need such a strong support system around them to support them emotionally, mentally, in terms of their businesses, um, sometimes financially, as you mentioned, but like, you really need a strong support system around you. And yeah, when you said, you know, you had great parents, I, it, it made me think about mine and mine were always telling me like, oh, you, you can do anything you set your mind to, don't worry about it. And it it is so important. You start to think back at that when you have moments where you're like, I don't know if I can do this or I don't know if I'm making the right choice or if I'm qualified for this or not. And you always start to hear that in your head. You can be like, no, 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 you got this. You can do anything you set your mind to. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. And I don't want anybody listening to this think that you had to have a good upbringing or you had to have this strong network to be successful. You know, sometimes people with, with absolutely um, horrible, horrible by some standard of childhood um, or broken homes or whatever it is, or don't have the kinds of relationships I've described, sometimes that drives you to having that confidence as well in yourself. Mm. You just have to be open to it. 
you have you, ha you have to be positive. You know, you can't say whether your circumstances, uh, whether you grow up in a poor area um, and you have dreams of finances or dreams of moving on with your life or something else. If you just believe that that's out there for you, um, you have a better chance of achieving it. I'm not going to say it's guaranteed, but you have a better chance of achieving something if you believe in yourself and if you open yourself up to those opportunities. You know, it, it's easier when you have a great support system around you or if you have a financial stability around you, but it's definitely not necessary. You know, every day you hear about the stories of people who start, you know, either they're um, immigrants or they're um, you know, people from poor neighborhoods or broken homes, and they grow up to be great successes. Um, I'm not going to say that that's something you desire to have, but sometimes that drives you as much as all the other people saying, you can do it, you can do it. Um, True. It's, it's, you know, ultimately, it's up to you. Ultimately, it's up to you to believe in yourself and, and to look at the, look at what's good um, that you want in your life and then move towards it. You know, early on for me, it was where I wanted to live. I played tennis and I swam and I enjoyed those two sports. And so I left New York and I moved to Florida because I could play tennis 12 months out of the year um, down there. And so I wanted to live in a place that made me happy knowing mm. that I'll find a career or a business or a job. But ultimately, I wanted to be in an environment that's that was good for me. Um, yes. And I thought everything else would follow. And, yes. you know, I, yeah. could I have been more successful if I stayed in New York and I did other things? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, everybody has to have their own goals and their own limitations and recognize both. I think what's so key about what you said that I really want people to hone in on is that you started with your happiness. You were like, I need to be in this place because it is what allows me to have joy in my life. It wasn't, you weren't, cause you're right. Like if, if you were driven by something else, you probably would have stayed in New York, but I am sure that you wouldn't have been as happy of a person. And what's interesting about that is by following your heart and by following your joy and excitement, it brought you all of these other opportunities that potentially like before any of this happened, you might not have ever imagined that you would be now owning a printing business, you know? And I think that's, Absolutely. and it's Absolutely just, you know, I'm very, I'm very fatalistic. You are today because of where you were yesterday, good or bad, you know, you're, you're walking on a path and, and wherever it's leading, you know, I guess there's the old Yogi Berra expression um, for those baseball fans in the audience. Uh, when you get to a fork in the road, take it. Um, and so, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you go left or right. You just have to keep moving on. And uh, and again, you just have to be open to the possibilities. And yes. Yeah, I think this is something I try. I tell my friends. At that time, knowing that you're going to learn enough along the path around about yourself, about what you're doing, and hopefully it leads you in a direction that is better than where you were yesterday. Yes. My friend... Um, always uses this driving analogy that I find myself under it helped me understand much easier. And he said that when you're driving a car and it's dark and you're driving in the woods and you're trying to get out of the woods, you can only see what your headlights show you. You maybe you have a map that's telling you to go how to get out of the woods, but you're trusting and you really can only focus on what's right in front of you and what you can see. And you're not worried about the destination. You're worried just about like what's in front of you. And you're making the right decision in each of those moments that you know is going to take you out eventually of the woods or to get you to where you need to go. 
And that really changed everything for me because I started focusing on what was making me happy right now and being more present in the, in the moment because I knew that that would never lead me astray. My following my joy and my happiness would never take me somewhere where I shouldn't be going. And that's not to say that there aren't challenges along the way, but I was starting to be more and more confident that as long as I focused on what was bringing me joy right now, it would always take me to where I need to go. And now being at this point in my life, looking back, I, I can see that that worked out for me because now I'm in situations and scenarios and I have a great job and I have this passion that I never would have imagined for myself otherwise. So as opposed to trying to focus on like one specific outcome, just starting with the joy and the happiness and knowing that that will lead you to the right place, I think is such an important key takeaway. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I think you're, you're also a, a product of that and to see how your life has progressed over the years. And are you still living in Florida now? No, no. Uh, my path went from New York to Florida to Atlanta. And here I am in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, because I wanted to get right. back to the coast. I've been here for about 12 years. Uh, this is my last stop. Um, this is my last business, I think. Um, when I grow this, I, I'll give it about another five years or so to grow it to where I want. And then I'll, I'll hand it off to either my employees or to somebody else who wants to acquire it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm in, in North Carolina, happy here. And uh, this is probably going to be my last stop. It's funny because my dad is 64, 65 now, and he is thinking about retirement. And it's so funny because I feel like he's, he's a lot, he's going to be a lot like you where he says he's going to retire, but he like never really does because I, I don't know what your motivation is behind it, but I think he likes to be busy and he, he's got a sharp mind. And so he always wants it to stay working and I feel like the previous ideas of retirement meant like you just didn't do anything. And I, and I think like redefining that term into being just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there needs, I feel like maybe we should just redefine the term retirement in general. Well, some people, you know, it, that, that's certainly uh, a realistic approach to it these days. Uh, number one, because people do work longer than they had in the past, I believe. Uh, and I don't know if that's because they can or because they want to or because mm. circumstances require it financially these days. Um, but uh, whatever the reason is, uh, definitely my parents were retired um, long before my age now. Um, and, uh, and and that's also a testament to the fact that they had very stable jobs for their whole life that they wished on me. That I never uh, uh, I never got that message. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but it, 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 it worked for them. And that's why I encourage people who work for, you know, cities or other people or businesses, even though security today is not what it was back in my parents' day. Um, when you work for a company, you could work for a company for 20, 30, 40 mm. years. Not so much today. Um, right. So you got to kind of really keep your eyes wide open for those types of things. But, um, but certainly I respect people who do that too, who find, find one thing they love to do, and they do that till the day they retire. For me, I do have other interests. You know, that's something that some people have and some people don't. People that just consume themselves by their work, and they have this very blurry line between work life and personal life. Um, you know, I think I think they stay on a lot longer than mm. maybe they otherwise would. Um, I've got a lot of friends, you know, who just keep their jobs because the security of a paycheck, even though they may not need it, um, but just because it's there and and they can continue doing that. Yeah. Uh, and they so and they say just why not? You know, me, 
I like playing tennis. I like swimming. I like my dogs. Um, uh, I love my wife, by the way. Um, but all uh, so take all those things into consideration. I could spend more time with or doing all of those things, and so I don't think I'll be bored when I retire. Um, but I'll always be looking at, at things. I mean, that's just been my nature. Um, yeah. But like I said, this is my last business, my last stop, is because I, I don't have a lot of these runs left in me where I'm going to start from zero and see what happens with it. At the age of 72, I, you know, financially I'm okay. So I figure enough's enough on that level. Um, but uh, I'm not going to close the door on the possibility that something else might happen um, yeah. after after the wall printer. Do you think you'd ever do like consulting or something? No, been there, done that. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, it, it's a it's a great question because uh, the, the short answer is no. I, I don't really enjoy that. But mm -hmm. on the on the other hand, what I do love doing is I'm a mentor at the local university here that has a very big uh, University of North Carolina in Wilmington has a very big um, and very well um, well established and very well known. Um, business program and entrepreneurship um, class. And so there, there's a center for innovation and entrepreneurship here called the CIE. And it's both a co-working space for people and it's an incubator for people mm. who have ideas, whether it comes from the community or the school or the faculty or students and people who, um, who have resources such as me, somebody with experience to have eyewear or sales and marketing to have other people wear, might be financial, might be legal, uh, might be other aspects of business manufacturing or whatever else. And when people have an idea for something or they think that they want to go that entrepreneurial business route, they have a place to go to kind of kick their ideas around uh, to get those resources. And I love that. I love working with students um, in my business today. Um, I take on an intern or two every semester. Um, I love having younger people around me. They've got fresh ideas. Um, I can still learn every day. Um, and so sometimes get, getting those kinds of perspectives is really important, especially in a business that relies on social media. Um, but uh, even though my customers may not be of a young generation, they're people who are usually well-established and have the finances. My machine cost $35,000. It's not your $100 desktop printer. So it has to be <laughs> not only the financial resources, but also the mindset to build a business around this technology. Um, but having young people around and having their ideas come in and being able to support them on their track, uh, very few things make me happier at, the, at my office and seeing their growth. Um, so so the, in a consulting basis, if you can call that consulting, that's what I enjoy doing. Yeah, well, anybody listening from North Carolina, like I would have jumped on this opportunity to learn from someone like you. And so hopefully this will maybe inspire somebody else either to fulfill a similar role to you, maybe their local place, or maybe if somebody's listening in North Carolina, they're going to hit you up, which I think is a great segue. Maybe since we're coming to the close of our episode today, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Well, uh, not an advertisement necessarily for LinkedIn, which we just started using for advertising and promotion, but I believe LinkedIn is a very good professional network as opposed to some of the other social media channels like um, Twitter, X, I guess it's called today, um, Facebook, Meta, um, you know, and the other social media channels, Instagram. Um, you know, these are all wonderful for social engagement. Uh, but if you want to find people um, and careers and see people who are doing things that you might be interested in or people that um, can 
help you along the way and refer you to other people um, or be or be a resource to find out what that job is like or what that business is like. I believe LinkedIn is a great um, a great place to do that. And so I encourage people um, to reach out to me if they want. Uh, you know, you can search for Paul Barron. I'm sure you'll find me without me giving you my URL. Um, and they, they, uh, I'll have it linked in the description anyway. Yeah. So, so you, you can, you know, by all means, I, I like people to connect with me. Um, I always will learn from other people. I, I like referring people. And you never know who you talk to is going to refer somebody that's going to benefit you in your situation. 100%. Um, so the short answer to that, which I rarely give, as you see, <laughs> um, is LinkedIn. Thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate it. And this was so much fun. You as well, Matt. It was nice meeting you. And I hope your audience got something out of it. I'm sure that they will. I'm sure that they will. All the links to connect with Paul are in the show notes, but I really want to hear from you guys. If you have questions that you want answered, please comment them in the reviews and I will answer them at the end of the episodes. If you want more from me and Mimir, follow me on social media at Mimir the Podcast or check out my YouTube channel under Maddie Kelly to watch the podcasts and stay up to date with my life. You can also head to my website, mumir.ink for my contact info, partnership opportunities, and key takeaways on all of the episodes. I will see you guys next week.